Hey, how many of you in here believe that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper? Say amen. Man, I believe that God is a promise keeping God. And let me just talk to you about the video that you just saw today. Like I just said in the video, we are announcing the Promise Keeper Christmas offering. And the Promise Keeper Christmas offering is something that we've been praying about for for several weeks. We're announcing it uh, today that in the first three weeks of December, the first three Sundays of December, December the 6th, 13th, and the 20th, our prayer and goal is that we as a church would raise at least $49,500. You'll be able to give right here in our worship experiences to the Promise Keeper Christmas offering, but not only there, on Sundays you can give all day, every day, 24 hours, 7 days a week online at summithazard.com. Beginning December the 6th, you can give to the Promise Keeper Christmas offering. You can give on our app to the Promise Keeper Christmas offering. And maybe you've watched this and you're sitting there and you're thinking, why are we doing that? Why are we having uh, this kind of offering? Why are we taking this? Here's exactly why we're doing that. Here's exactly why we are uh, having this initiative for our future campus. For a couple of reasons. One, just a simple reminder. This is not our building. Did you know that? Nobody said amen. This is not our building. Some of you are like, oh, this is ours. No, it ain't. This is not our building. And, and listen, this building being in here, God has used this facility to give us an amazing relationship with the city. I mean, the, the relationship that we have with leadership in the city and just the city in general, because of our use of this building, it is an amazing thing. But you need to know this is not our building. Every single month, uh, we pay uh, $3,000 every month in rent for this building. Uh, in this building, we've outgrown the kids' area. In this building, we've outgrown our parking lot. And listen, one of these things that people see when they pull into a church, they can't find a parking space, it's their first day out of church, man, you know what most people do? Most people leave. Kids is packed every single Sunday, and listen, we just don't have room, and so that ca- the campus in Christopher that we've purchased, that's our future campus. And that Christmas offering, the Promise Keeper Christmas offering, it'll help us to secure an architect so that we can begin construction of our building. And just like we laid out in that video, no matter where you are, no matter what level you're at financially, we've tried, we, we want you to be a part of this. Because here's why. It is not about the money. It is not about the money. If you're sitting there in your seat, well, I don't like this church already because all they want is my money. Well, it's clearly your first day. I got a coffee mug for you in the lobby. Right? Because anybody that's been around here for a couple of weeks will tell you, we don't make videos like that often. Some have said what? Amen. We don't do this every week. Well, this church only wants my money. No, actually, Jesus wants your heart. We want to have a church where you can come and meet Jesus. All right, we're praying that happens for you today if you've never met him. But no, listen, we don't want your money. We don't. But we do want you to experience everything that God has for you. And Jesus talks about money more than any other subject. And here's why. Because money and stuff grabs our heart, grabs our worship more than anything else. It's the biggest competitor next to God for our hearts is money and stuff. And here's what Jesus says over and over and over about money is if you can trust God with your finances, you can trust God with anything. 
And if you can take that one step, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. I'm going to take the step. I'm going to give to the Promise Keeper Christmas offering. We're going to take a step. Maybe it doesn't even make sense, but God's laying it on your heart. Here's what I believe. Based on the promise-making and promise-keeping power of Jesus, like we just read in the video from Luke, where Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. I believe that if you take that step, Jesus will take a step in your life and you will experience more of him. So here's what we're asking our church to do. Beginning December 6th, we will begin to receive the Promise Keeper Christmas offering. That is over above our normal tithes and offerings, okay? So for the next couple of weeks, here's all we're asking you to do. We are asking you to pray Maybe by yourself, or if you're married, you've got a family, pray together as a family. God, how would you want us to give to the Promise Keeper Christmas offering? How would you want us to take a step? Because here's what I believe. I believe that all of the resources to do everything that God wants to do in this church are in this room right now. I really believe that. I really believe that all the resources to do everything that God wants to do in and through this church, they are in the room right now. And I believe, I believe that our church can meet this goal. I believe $49,500, our church can meet this goal. And listen, that might sound something, that, 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 when you hear that, oh my goodness, that's a lot of money. Listen, that is nothing for our God. Amen? There was a group of people here this morning and we were praying and we are praying that we are about to enter into a season of miracles as a church. We don't want, to, we don't want God to take our church to a place we've been before. Because we've been there, we've walked through there, we're done with that. Amen? And the reason we know we're done with it is because God was done with that season. You might pray for this church. God, let us see things like we used to see things. Let us, let us, God, bring us back to some certain, listen, here's what I believe. I don't pray that God would take us back to a certain place. I pray that God would take us to a place we've never been. Amen? I pray that God would take us to a place where, where we can't even imagine. And so here's, where, here's how we'll get there. We will get there as we take a step of faith. I am inviting our church, I am challenging our church beginning in December to take a step of faith and watch the promise-keeping power of God. Watch what happens. So you pray and you pray as a family how God would want you to be a part of the promise-keeper Christmas offering. One more thing. By the way, when you leave today, Outside of those doors, we're going to have some people here at this exit as well. We're going to give you a sheet of paper that just kind of gives you a, a, a rundown on everything with impact, everything that's going on with impact, that's been going on with impact for the past year, and how you, no matter where you're at, you can be a part of making the Promise Keeper Christmas offering a reality. But here's what I'm at. I'm asking our church to pray and to trust God and take the step that God calls you to take. Amen? Amen. Amen. Three of you. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray for our church. Let's pray. God, you didn't call us to come here today so that we can tell people we've been to church and then go to Applebee's after this is over. Jesus, you died for the church. You bled for the church. You bought the church. You came back from the dead for the church. God, you've got something for us today. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us today. And, God, that we as a church, we would step out by faith. God, we would step out. We would take risks. We would be bold. This city is not going to be reached by a passive church. Drug addiction is not going to be beaten, overcome by a church that sings inside of its walls and is silent when it leaves. 
God, this community, this world, our country, God, many of us in the room, we are afraid for the decisions that our country is making right now. And Father, our country and world, it needs Christ. We're reminded of what happened in Paris on Friday night, that there is only hope in Jesus and how our world needs hope, how our world needs Christ. And only a bold church will take the gospel to the world. Only a bold church, driven and fueled by the love of Jesus, will go out into its schools, into its city, into the community, into the world, and take light into darkness. God, would you let us be that kind of church? God, would you wake up in us passions that we've never had? Would you wake up inside of us dreams and visions and love for you, God, that maybe we've experienced years ago and we've lost those. Maybe life just crept in. God, I pray that you would take us to a place we have never been as a church. God, where we would see conversions and salvations like we've never seen, where we would see families put back together, where we would see addictions broken. God, where we would see and experience things. Jesus, we've only read about in the book of Acts. We've only heard about happening in other places of the world. Father, forgive me. Forgive our church for sin. And God, make us a people people through whom you can do the miraculous. God, that's what we want. And that's why we came today. And God, I pray that right now as we open up your word, Jesus, that you would just speak. God, I thank you that your word's alive. Your word is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. God, you have a word for us today. So Jesus, we thank you for it. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for what you're going to do in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, listen, man, it's awesome to see you guys here today. Today we are in part three of our series called Dirty Laundry. Now, if you're just here for the very first time, what we've been doing in this series, we are talking about dating and sex and marriage. And so two weeks ago, we talked about dating. Last week, we talked about sex. And today and next week, we are talking about Marriage. Now, now, hey, maybe, maybe you missed those, or maybe it's your first time here, and you're thinking, man, I, I need to hear that. I tell you, a great way to keep up with Summit is to download our app. You can download our app for free on Apple, Android uh, devices, so go ahead and download that. But today and next week, we are talking about marriage. And uh, in the line of work that I have, I, I get to perform a, uh, a pretty good amount of weddings. And, and probably the most significant part of a wedding ceremony is when a husband and a wife exchange vows. And, and almost in every single wedding, I, I say the same thing. I look at them and I'll say, I'll say, you are about to exchange the most sacred promises that one person can give to another person. And then I'll set it up, I'll set it up, and then after that, we'll just begin to go through, we'll just begin to go through the vows. They'll exchange vows. And you know the vows in a wedding ceremony, right? Promise to love you, to honor you, to cherish you. In sickness, in health, in poverty, in wealth. And, and then the last one, the last part of the vows is kind of the clincher. You know what I'm saying? The last part of the vows kind of, kind of seals the deal. Do you, know, do you know how they always end? Till death do us part. Kind of sounds like a challenge, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like a dare. You know, it sounds like an episode of Survivor. Who's going to outwit, outplay, outlast the other one? You know, till death do us part. You're going down first. Right, that's kind of what it. That's kind of what it sounds like, you know. 
But here's the thing. Every marriage starts out with promises. Every one of them. My marriage did, yours. Every marriage starts out with promises. And what I want to do today and next week is I want to add two promises. And listen, I promise if you're, if you're here, you're not married. Maybe you never want to get married. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you're not married, but one day you hope to be or you're divorced. Listen, I, I don't know where you're at today, but if you're sitting there, you're thinking, well, listen, I'm not married. Listen, do not dial out. Don't, don't shift attention. I promise you need to lean in because God's got something for you today. But we're going to make two promises. Two promises you can make to your spouse. Two promises you can make right now to your future spouse. Two promises you can make at least to God. Okay? So one promise today, one promise next week. And here's the promise that we're going to make. I promise I will love God first. I will love God First, so hey, if you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead, open up your Bible uh, on your uh, phone, or if you've actually got a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 22. All right, Matthew 22, we're going to be in some really familiar verses this morning, if you've got a church background, and um, hey, even if you don't, I promise these are pro- uh, probably pretty familiar. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, all right, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. It says this, but when the Pharisees heard that he, that he is Jesus, that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees. They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Stop right there. Let's set the scene. See, if you're reading the Gospels, and the Gospels are the life of Jesus. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The bad guys in the life of Jesus are guys known as the Pharisees. The Pharisees are religious leaders in their day, and ultimately these are the guys that get Jesus killed. And they are always trying to, trying to count out Jesus. They are always trying to get Jesus stuck in a corner. They want to discredit Jesus in the community, in the world, and just stop what he's trying to do. They don't know what he's trying to do, but they know it's against them and it ain't good. So they're just, they are, they are Jesus' enemies. And so here they are, and they're like, you know what? We're going to trick Jesus. So they get a Pharisee who also happens to be a lawyer. Maybe he's good with arguments. Maybe he's good at confronting people. I don't know. But they give him a question, and they're convinced that Jesus can't answer it. And the question is this. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? See, the law for them would have been the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Also known as the Torah. They were Jews. And they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what is the biggest commandment in the Bible that we have? If you could sum up the greatest commandment, what would it be? Now, they knew that nobody would even try to answer a question like that. There's no way Jesus could answer this question. Jesus answers that question. Watch what he says. Verse 37, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with, what's the next word? All your soul, and with one more time, all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus says, all right, I'll play your game. I'll actually answer this question. If you want to know what the biggest thing in the Bible is, if you want to know what the biggest thing God says, God said through Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Jesus then expands it. Hey, listen, guys, I'll tell you not only the biggest thing in the law, I'll tell you the biggest thing in the prophets. The greatest thing that God wants for you is to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. To love God first. 
Now see, maybe that idea right there is simply a game changer. Maybe you thought that all Jesus came to do was to get you out of hell and you can sprinkle some church services in there once in a while. You didn't know that you were supposed to love God. You, you didn't know that Jesus wanted you to love him. But listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. God will, not be sat- God will only be satisfied with the first place in your life. The only place that God is interested in in your life is first place. In fact, Jesus says it another way. Look at this verse right here, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Did you see that? If anybody comes to Jesus and doesn't hate his father, mother, wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, some of you are reading that, you're thinking, that's the best marriage advice I've ever had. Hate my wife. Woo! That's not what he means. Jesus doesn't literally mean that you're supposed to hate your wife or your kids or your mother or your brother. Here's here's what Jesus means. Jesus means when you compare the love that you have for God, God's place in your life, to everything else's place in your life, God needs to be in a class all by himself. When you compare the way you feel about God to the way you feel about your kids, your husband, your wife, your job, your money, your future, God needs to be in a class all by himself. Self. Maybe you've heard people say, you know what, your priorities ought to look like this. God first, other people second, your family, that sort of thing, and then yourself last. Listen, that's not true. God doesn't even want to be that close to those other things. God wants to be in a class all by himself. I love my kids. I love my wife. I'm excited about the future. But listen, God is in a class all by himself. That's what Jesus means. The only place that Jesus wants in our lives in our marriages, in every area, is first place. And see, if you and I, if we don't make this promise that I love God first, here's what we'll do with our marriages. Here's what we'll do with our life. We'll make everything about us. We'll make it about our own feelings, our own wants, our own desires. If you don't make this commitment, this promise, I love God first, your life will be about your kids. Your life will be about your spouse. See, this might seem like a simple promise. Maybe you've got a church background and you've heard these verses. You've heard this kind of sermon. You're convinced and you're just familiar with this. And listen, that's part of the problem. The, the problem is that we hear Jesus say, listen, God wants you to love him with all that you are. The problem is that we've heard that and some of us are so familiar with it, it just bounces off of us. But I'm telling you that if you make this promise, I will love God first. Can we all say that together? Let's all say it. Say, I will love God first. If you make that promise, it will revolutionize your life. It'll revolutionize your marriage. It'll stop you from going through the motions of church. It'll cause you to abandon the shackles of religion and enter into a real growing relationship with Jesus. And watch what that relationship does to your entire life. I so believe in this promise that I'll love God first. I just want to ask you three questions. I want to ask you three questions this morning. And listen, these are questions you need to answer for you. You can pray your spouse answers them a certain way, but you can't make your spouse answer them a certain way. These are questions that you need to answer for you. I want to ask you three questions this morning. Here's the first question I want to ask every person in our church. If you're married, if you're single, you're divorced, you're desperate. I got a question for you. Here's my first question. Do you really know God? Do you really know God? See, because you can't love God first unless you know God. 
And we're going to see it in just a minute that God created marriage not ultimately to make me happy, not ultimately to meet your needs. Yeah, that's a part of it. But God created marriage to be a picture of Jesus and the church. So listen, if you don't know the God who created marriage, if you don't know the reason that God made marriage, if you don't know the reason that God made you, then you could have a great marriage, but what's the point? So let me ask you, do you really know God? Answer that question. I'm not asking you if you go to church. It's clear that you do. You're here. I'm not asking you, do you believe in God? I'm not asking you, do you know things about God? I'm asking you, have you, ha- have you had an experience with your creator, with the God of the universe that so radically changed your life that the only way you could explain that encounter with God is it was like you were born all over again? Jesus talks to a man in John chapter 3 named Nicodemus, and Jesus is telling Nicodemus, a Pharisee, what it's like to know God. And Jesus says, listen, Nicodemus, the only way anybody goes to heaven is if they are born again. Has that happened to you? Where God isn't something that you do on Sunday and you sing about on Sunday. He is a daily reality in your life. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You talk to him and he talks to you. You love him. And you want to sin less because sin always gets in the way of your relationship with him. Yeah, you're not perfect, but you know in the core of your being that you are saved that you are forgiven, that you are a child of God, and that the Holy Spirit really does live inside of you. Do you know that? So many people just assume that they know God. And I know so many people assume that they know God because not only do I do a lot of weddings, I do a lot of funerals. I've never been to a funeral where somebody stood up, looked at the person that's in the casket and said, listen, y'all, they went to hell. Have you? How weird would that be anyway, right? Right? Are you guys alive this morning? Are you here? Some of you are stunned that I asked for $49,500. Can you acknowledge that I did that? My gosh, slap your neighbor and say, wake up, this sermon's good. Right? My gosh, you were pumped about UK winning last night, not the football. So, oh, sorry, sorry. Moment of silence for that part, right? But so many people assume they know God. There are some of you in this room right now, you come every week and you sing songs and you lift hands and under your breath you secretly believe that at the end of the day all dogs go to heaven. That God's just gonna let it all slip under the rug and we're all going to heaven. Jesus never said that. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but through him. Do you know him? Do do you? Is, Is this making sense? I'm asking our entire, do you know God? Do you know him? Don't you dare assume that you know him and you don't. That's the most dangerous thing you could ever do in your life. In your existence, the most dangerous thing you'll ever do is that you assume you know God and you don't. 
See, I could stand up, I could stand up here all day and tell you how to have an awesome marriage. I could stand up here all day and talk about dating your wife and the importance of communication. But if you do not know God, do you know him? If you don't know him, I am telling you that's why he, he brought you today. Don't you let your wife, your husband, your kids, what somebody might think about you or say to you, get in the way of you today beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves you. Did you know that? Did you know that? He knows what you said last night. He knows what you did last week. And you are loved by God so much that your creator wants a relationship with you. Do you know God? I don't know. Oh, please don't go home today until you know that you know him. You need God more than you need your marriage fixed. Because eternity is longer than this life. I got a second question for you. Are you building intimacy with God? Are you building intimacy with God? We want intimate marriages. Are you building intimacy with God? And here's what I believe. I believe that if both of you, not just one of you, okay, not just one, but both, husband and wife, if a husband and a wife, if they are pursuing God, you know what's gonna happen as a natural byproduct? They're gonna love each other more. You know why I believe that? Here's why I believe that, because Jesus says the first commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second one is like it. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. Listen, if you grow in your love for God, you will love the people that you live with more. Amen? You will. You will. Are you building intimacy, and and that's both of you, husband and wife, but are you building intimacy with God? Say, how do I build intimacy with God? I don't know how. Let me give you two ways. First way is worship. Worship. I hope that worship isn't something you do only when Ricky and Morgan and the band are leading you. Right? Because as awesome as it would be if they would just follow you around and wake you up, hey, it's Monday, let's sing. Never mind, that that would be weird. That would be weird. That would be real weird. Right? Worship is not singing on Sunday. Worship is a lifestyle. And listen, some of the, re- the reason some of you don't get anything out of this is because you don't worship out there. You want, you, you want, you want to get something out of Sunday? Worship God on, on Monday. Worship God, tomorrow, worship God on Thursday. Worship God on Saturday. Worship is a lifestyle. So how do I worship? Listen, how about instead of complaining when you wake up tomorrow that it's Monday, what if you did something radical and you said, thank God it's Monday? Right? Some of you... We, right, we, I mean, in our culture, TGIF, thank God it's Friday, we got a restaurant. Where's the TGIM restaurant, right? Let's eat, God, let's eat it, thank God it's Mondays, right? We complain about, listen, what if you worshiped God tomorrow morning? Thank you for another week, thank you for another chance, thank you for grace and mercy that's new every morning. Listen, read this book. God wrote this book to you so that when you read it, God would be speaking to you. Thank God for what he says to you in this book. Thank God for what he has done. Thank God for what he's going to do in your life. Worship God. Worship God. I'll give you another way to build intimacy with God is take the next step God's telling you to take. Take the next step God is telling you to take. Some of you got saved in the past couple of weeks. Next Sunday's Baptism Sunday. The connection card you got when you walked in, on the back, flip it over right now while I'm talking. Check that you want to get baptized and you can give it, to, you can give it in the offering at the end of the service. Are you using the spiritual gifts that God's given you? Are you serving anybody? If the answer is no, well then why don't you sign up to serve here? 
Why don't you take the next step that God is inviting you to take? Because every single next step God invites you to take, there is more of him and you are building intimacy in your life with God. Some of you are sleeping with somebody and you ain't married to them. God, it got tense in the room just now, didn't it? Hey, God's telling you to take a step there. God's telling you to make that right. So we're going to get married. We'll go ahead and do it. I'm telling you, you'll build intimacy with God in your life if you worship God. Worship God on a regular basis. Become a worshiper. Take the next step God's telling you to take. Last thing, number three, I'm done. Last question I got for you is will you let your life be about something bigger? Will you let your life be about something bigger? Watch these verses, Ephesians 5, 31 through 32. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's talking about marriage. He said God made marriage, husband and a wife, in the covenant of marriage. Next verse is why God made marriage. This mystery is profound. I'm saying that it, marriage, marriage refers to Christ and the church. Marriage is a picture of Jesus and his love and commitment and faithfulness to the church. So marriage is about something bigger. Will you let your life be about something bigger? Will will you let your marriage be about something bigger? So yeah, you've got a great marriage. And man, your kids are making great grades and they're going to get into great schools. But is your life about something bigger? Teenagers, will you let your life be about something bigger? Something bigger than fitting in for a few years. Something bigger than getting into the right school. Something bigger than getting that job so that you can live that kind of lifestyle. So that you can buy that car. Adults, will you let your life be about something bigger than retirement? Will you let your life be about something bigger? That when people see your life, they do not see perfection, but they will see Jesus Will you forgive your spouse? Why? Because you were forgiven. Will you hang in there? And it is easier to hit the eject button right now on that marriage. But, but would you try to work it out? And listen, I'm not, and listen, if you're in a marriage, you're in a relationship right now, physically there's danger, you need to get out of that. But listen, I'm not talking, so, so there's, there's exceptions, all right? But if you are here, listen, would you let your life be about something bigger. I will love God first. How? Do you know him? Do you know God? Do you know God? Second question, second question I asked. Are you building intimacy with God? And then last thing, will you let your life be about something bigger? Right now, our band's gonna come so you guys can come on out and every week we have this time. Every week we have a time that we call the time of response. And let me tell you why we have a time of response every week. And we'll do it every week until this church closes or until Jesus comes, whichever comes first. The reason we have a time of response every week is because every time God speaks, every time God reveals himself, Every time God moves, we should respond. Amen? And some of you, today is the day when you just need to get honest maybe with God and say, God, I need a relationship with you. I need to be saved. 
Some of you, maybe you just need to get honest with God and say, God, I want my life to be about something bigger. Maybe you need to get honest with God and say, God, I'm not building intimacy with you. I was really growing at one point, and then my relationship with you just kind of went stagnant. God, I want to get back on track with you. What did God say to you today? Because Summit, now is the time to respond. It's not to sit back. It's not to think about lunch. It's not to think about the game last night. It's not to think about the, de- the deadline of the meeting this week. What does God require of me right now? In fact, our ushers are going to come, so you guys get in place. Our ushers are going to come. We're going to receive our offering right now. And most of you, when you walked in today, you got this card right here. We call this our connection card. And as you're getting your offerings ready, your tithes ready, if you've already given online, God bless you for that. But I encourage you to take this card out. Because on the back of this card, we've given you some space to put how God wants you to respond. Maybe God wants you to respond by today deciding to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe God wants you to respond by signing up for baptism, which is next week. Maybe God wants you to serve. Maybe you've got a prayer request that you need to let somebody know so that you can pray for them. But here's what I know. God is not telling me. And he's not telling you. Stay where you are. You're fine. You don't really need me to do anything today. No, I believe that God has a next step for every every person in this room today. Can we all stand for time of response? We all bow our heads and close our eyes. Bow our heads, close our eyes before we respond today. How many of you just simply would say, Mark, God spoke to me today about something really clear in my life. God spoke to me today. Would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand. Say, God spoke to me about an issue right here up front, right over there. Any more? Just raise your hand. Say, God spoke to me today. God spoke to me. There's hands all over right here to the right. Others? God spoke to me today. Raise your hand so that we can pray for you. God bless you for that. God bless you for that. How many of you would say, Mark, I want to build intimacy with God. I feel like my relationship with God kind of grows, has kind of grown cold. I want to build intimacy with God. Raise your hand right now so that I can pray for you. There's hands right here all over, all over. Our hands going up just saying, God, I've gotten cold, settled for mediocrity and the status quo, no more. I want to build intimacy with my Savior. Hands are going up all over. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. Hands are going up all over this room. How many of you would say, Mark, I need to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God. I need to be saved. I need Jesus Christ in my life today. If you're here and you want to, you want to know God, you want to be saved, just raise your hand right now so that I can pray for you. Raise your hand right now. If today's the day you want to be saved, you want, you want to know God. Raise your hand right now. God bless you. There's a hand right over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? God, I I pray for families and marriages in this room that are struggling. I pray for families and marriages in this room. It just feels like it's, it's on the last leg. Oh, God, would you speak life? Would you speak hope? 
pray for that couple, that person who's here right now. God, work in them. Speak into them. God, I pray for the people that raise their hands say, I need to build intimacy with God. I pray they would do it. I pray for the person who raised their hands and maybe others in this room that say, I need to know God. I need to be saved today. God, I pray that that relationship with you that there's beginning today, it would grow, it would flourish, and they would never be the same. God, we respond right now to you. We respond right now to you. As we receive this offering, it's a response. As we come up here to the front and pray, it's a response. God, as we worship you in singing Amazing Grace right now, it is a response to who you are. Amen, amen. Summit, right now is our time of response. And our ushers are gonna receive our offering. Any decision that you've made, any decision that you have made, would you please put it on this card and drop it in the basket as it goes around? If you gave your life to Christ today, check that box and put it in the basket. If you need to be baptized, check up. You, you want us to pray? Check. Let us know how we can pray for you and put it in the basket. But here's what I'm going to do. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. I think everybody almost knows that song because we have a God of amazing grace. Amen? We have a God of amazing grace. We should worship Him today. Before we go, we're going to worship. And, and we're going to worship Him in giving. But I'm going to come down front. And if you are here today and you need prayer, you need encouragement, I would love to pray with you today. I would love to just speak into your life today. Or maybe you don't even want to talk to me. This altar is open. This altar is open. But as we sing, we're going to worship. I'd love for you, as many of you as want, you just come up here and pray. Let me pray with you. Others will pray. But you give today. This is a time of response. A time where we've seen God and we respond to who He is. You give as God leads you to give today. But I would love to pray. This altar is open. Let's sing and worship our God today.
close out today uh, and dismiss you guys. But man, this has been a good day, man. This has been a good day. Praise God for today. Has it been good to be in God's house today? I just think it has been, man. Let me say this really quick. Hey, we, we had some people raise their hands and say, I gave my life to Christ today. I need to know God. If, if, if you haven't told anybody, you haven't marked it on the back of your connection card, listen, don't leave until you do. They're out there at the welcome table, Bibles in the back. Just let somebody know the decision that you made today. Guys, next week, we are closing out our series, Dirty Laundry. And listen, bring somebody with you. But guys, we love you. Thank you for being here. You are dismissed. God bless you guys.